0: Welcome to the Quick and Dirty Tips to Slim Down and Shape Up. My name is Brock Armstrong and I'm the Get Fit Guy. Breaking the two-hour marathon has been a hot topic in the running community for quite a while now, but with the recent highly publicized Nike attempt, it's become even more intensely debated than ever. The authors of How Biomechanical Improvements in Running Economy Could Break the Two-Hour Marathon Barrier looked at how, among other things, shaving 100 grams off the weight of a runner's shoe could contribute to a sub-two-hour marathon. That idea got a lot of runners thinking. If 100 grams is important enough that Nike developed new shoes for the job, how much could losing a few pounds off my actual body weight help me break my own speed records? When considering this, the first question to ask is, can you lose weight without sacrificing performance? The balance between weight loss and maintaining performance comes with a mixed message. Yes, you can lose weight while training for a race, no it's not an easy thing to do but we are talking about people who run 42.2 kilometers or 26.2 miles for fun so let's not sell them short what does the science say a new study called the effect of acute body mass reduction on metabolism and endurance running performance took a fresh look at this idea During the past 40 years, the majority of studies have been centered mainly on the effect of adding external load to the energy cost of walking and running. But in this study, they took 11 trained club runners, 8 male and 3 female, and had them participate in a series of 4 maximal trials that were 4-6 to days apart. During the first trial, the subjects completed an exhaustive incremental peak VO2 test on a treadmill, On the second visit, they completed a three-kilometer race time trial on a treadmill, running at their normal body mass. Now, what's really interesting about this test is that instead of adding weight to the runners, like the previous tests, they subtracted five or ten percent of the runner's body mass using a system of pulleys that lifted the runner up slightly, making them weigh less in a sense. In the series of three-kilometer race trials, they found that the runners, um, being lighter by five or 10%, resulted in improvements of 3.1 and 5.2% in their runtime. And if we do the math, that is an improvement of 0.64% per pound lost. For the particular subjects in this study, that equaled an improvement of 2.4 seconds per mile per pound which we can project would become even more significant over a marathon distance of 26.2 miles, and even a single pound lost could result in slightly more than a minute shaved off their marathon race time. The study concluded that... The reduction of 5 and 10% of inactive body mass may improve significantly 3 kilometer performance time and are supportive of the notion that one way to maximize further running performance is to reduce inactive body mass. Which means the lighter they made the runner, the faster they could run. But I want to draw attention to the language that they used inactive body mass. In other words, body fat, not muscle. Now we'll talk about that a little more later, but for now, I just want you to keep that in mind. Back in 1978, in a study called Effect of Experimental Alterations in Excess Weight on Aerobic Capacity and Distance Running Performance, they did the opposite of the study that we just discussed. They actually added five, 10, or 15% to the body weight of their subjects, using a crazy-looking harness that was attached around their waist and then across their shoulders. In that study, the runners performed a 12-minute run with no extra weight. Then they ran that same 12 minutes with added weight, and found that the distance the runners were able to cover in that 12 minutes was reduced by an average of 89 meters for each additional 5% of added weight. Again, if we do the math, that equals an extra 1.4 seconds per mile per pound. Now, this study concluded changes in excess body weight can influence VO2 max expressed relative to body weight and distance run performance independent of any change in cardiovascular capacity. Now, that means they ran slower when they weighed more, even though their fitness level stayed the same.
1: Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
0: The paper, Effects on Independently Altering Body Weight and Body Mass on the Metabolic Cost of Running, suggests that the running motion can be thought of as a series of movements that fight directly against gravity. Each stride is essentially an upward and forward push against the pull of the earth, and that is what uses most of your energy when you run. The authors concluded that our results show that generating force to support body weight is the primary determinant of the metabolic cost of running, which means that we expend the majority of our energy by simply supporting the weight of our own body. But not all body weight is created equally, and if you're going to carry extra weight, apparently your belly and hips is the best location for that weight, Uh, mechanically speaking, but not metabolically. In a 1985 study called Effect of Limb Mass and Its Distribution on the Energetic Cost of Running, results showed that having two 4-pound weights attached to your waist will increase your energy cost by about 4%, while having that same 8 pounds of weight strapped to your feet or ankles will increase energy cost by 24%. That's an incredible difference but it's not hard to imagine how that would feel. I mean, it's kind of like running in a shallow swimming pool. The study authors said, We found that the cost of adding a given mass to the limbs is significantly greater than adding it to the center mass, and that this effect becomes more pronounced as the limb loads are moved distally. And that just means it's harder to move heavy limbs than it is to move a heavy torso. Now, even if you aren't into the physics of all this, you might find it interesting that losing weight from your body is only about 30% as effective as losing weight from your shoes. Apparently, extra shoe weight requires much more energy to heave forward each and every time you take a stride. In comparison, well, your muffin top basically (laughs) goes along for the ride. Okay, now the important part. So far, all of these studies have made an unrealistic assumption that the weight that you are lugging around is completely inactive body mass. And as I hinted earlier, if you go and lose a bunch of muscle, you'll likely end up slowing your runtime down regardless of how much the bathroom scale is actually displaying. Whereas, if you gain the right type of muscle weight in the right locations, you will instead have a potential to speed up your run. Plus, as you may have learned in a previous Get Fit Guy episode about body fat, even fat can come in handy. So how do we lose the weight properly? Well, ideally, nailing our perfect race weight would be a natural result of training and eating well, rather than an arbitrary number that you choose and then obsess over. I would say that before you dive into any weight loss strategy, you should ask yourself if you are currently at a healthy weight for your height, your muscle mass, and your bone structure. Then, look at what would happen if you were to lose X amount of weight. Would this leave you at an unhealthy BMI or, more importantly, at too low a body fat percentage? If so, you may want to reconsider that goal. Or, at very least, be extremely strategic about when and for how long you maintain that particular weight. Dipping into that range to see how it feels can be an interesting experiment, but... It isn't one you should probably attempt right before the Olympic trials, if you know what I mean. Way too often, runners read some studies like the ones that I've mentioned earlier and assume that weighing less will lead them to running faster, but that's not always the case. Our human meat sacks, well, they crave homeostasis, and each one of us has a healthy weight range where we will perform at our absolute best. And sadly, this weight may not match up with what you picture for yourself, and you know what? It certainly won't match those magazine covers. I mean, we've seen enough Photoshop exposés at this point to know that even the athletes in the photo didn't look like that in the studio. Now, most sport doctors would say that our healthy weight range is usually your weight plus or minus three pounds at a time when you are nailing your diet, working out consistently, and ideally, interestingly enough, not paying attention to the bathroom scale. This is when homeostasis kicks in naturally. And my friend, the nutrition diva has a great article called diet strategy to lose fat and gain muscle. And in it, she says, if you have a significant amount of weight to lose, I think your best strategy is to focus first on reducing your body weight while minimizing muscle loss. And to do this, you'd want to lose that weight slowly, do some strength training and keep your protein intake up. If, or when you're within five or so pounds of your goal weight, you might want to focus more on improving your body composition. And to do this, you'd challenge your muscles while adjusting your food intake to keep your weight more or less steady. Again, incorporating high-quality protein into every meal can help build lean muscle tissue, and it may also help you with weight maintenance. In a past Get Fit Guy episode, we talked about how it seems counterintuitive that you can have your body in a loss state and a gain state at the same time. But it turns out that if we do things right, this is actually possible. And the strategies you need to use are combining calorie restriction with weight training, giving yourself specific days of the week to refeed with a higher calorie intake, which is also known as calorie cycling, and avoiding excess aerobic cardio, which breaks down the muscle that you're trying to build, which, yes, can be tricky if you're at the peak of your marathon training, which is why I suggest doing this in three phases instead of all at once a few weeks before your big race. Now, step one is have a fat loss phase. Ideally, this is in your off season where you get yourself to your healthy weight. Then step two is you start a muscle gain phase, which should also incorporate some prehab and some base training. And step three, hardcore run training, where your weight should achieve its own homeostasis through consistent training and a good diet. While, yes, the typical citizen these days may be out of shape and heavier than any doctor would advise, highly motivated runners are their own physical and psychological breed. And they're a breed that all too often falls for the, if one is good, then 10 must be better mentality. Many runners I know have fallen into the trap of aiming to lose too much weight and ended up Injured, or sick, or they lost the weight too late in the season and thus had a disappointing A race. Overdoing it, or not getting the timing right, can lead to various injuries, illnesses, fertility problems, or at the very least the opposite of what was intended, racing slower instead of faster. And let's face it, there's no medal for nailing your race weight but coming in last. For more race weight tips and to join in the weight loss conversation, head over to facebook.com getfitguy or twitter.com getfitguy or getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, my name is Brock Armstrong, and I'm the Get Fit Guy. Asking you, what are you waiting for? Go get fit.
1: Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends.